Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over a hundred casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. Eighteen plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hi, everybody. Thanks for joining me on this Friday afternoon in the locker room. I'm Alan Locker. Actress and writer Florencia Lozano is here today to discuss her most recent film project, Life After You. Life After You centers around a suburban family struggle with the death of their 19-year-old son following an overdose of heroin that was laced with fentanyl. The movie explores the questions of who and what is responsible for this tragedy and follows their journey to answer these questions as their family unravels from grief, guilt, and anger. The film is inspired by the book, Life After You, What Your Death from Drugs Leaves Behind by Linda Latterman. Florencia Lozano, along with Sarah T. Schwab, wrote the screenplay to shine a light on the opioid crisis that is on the rise in our country and killing so many individuals. In 2019, nearly 50,000 people in the U.S. died from opioid-involved overdoses. I encourage you all to watch this movie and see Florencia's incredible performance. Life After You is currently available on numerous digital platforms, including Amazon, Apple TV, iTunes, Google Play, Voodoo, Fandango, YouTube, and Xbox. Florencia also made her television debut as Taya Delgado on ABC's One Life to Live in January of 1997 and brought her character over to General Hospital in May of 2012. It is my pleasure to welcome to the locker room Florencia Lozano. Hey there. Hi. <laughs> How are you? Oh, I'm good. I'm so, so happy to be here with you. Thank, Thank you, you so much. You are so welcome. Um, what a impactful and powerful film performance, as I mentioned. Uh, what was the genesis of this project and how did you get involved? So Charlene Gianetti, uh, who is a, a journalist, uh, knew my acting work um, and she had interviewed for her uh, blog, Woman Around Town, Linda Latterman, who, as you mentioned, Linda wrote the book, uh, Life After You, What Your Death from Drugs Leaves Behind. And Charlene was so rocked by um, what Linda had written. And remember, Charlene had never produced a film, written a film. She'd never been involved in film or production. And she was on fire about getting Linda's story out. And she thought, you know what? If we make a movie, then in addition to people reading the book, they'll be able to sit down, see a movie um, and, and hear her story. I did not know Charlene. I, I met her and was so taken by her um, mission 
And so I immediately was, I, I always say, you know, there was no way I could turn her down. Mm. Um, I was honored that she wanted me to play Linda. And after I met Linda, Linda said some things that really um, sparked me imaginatively as a writer, as a storyteller, because I'm also uh, a playwright and, and, a, um, and I'm starting to write for screen. And, and this was my first screenplay. I asked Charlene, I said, can, can I try writing this with, um, with the director? Um, so Sarah, who directed this, this screenplay, and I... Um, jumping off from some of the things Linda uh, had said about her relationship to her son before and after his death inspired us to co-write the screenplay, which Charlene was totally open to. Hmm. Incredible. I mean, can you talk about meeting Linda? I mean. So, you know, I've never played someone who is a real person. Um, actually that's not true in, in college, I, I did a play called execution of justice where I played a district attorney. Um, but, uh, besides that, I, I, I had never felt the responsibility, especially with a story like this, which is basically the worst day of Linda's life and her whole family, right? Tito Latterman, who's Danny's father. Danny is um, Linda and Tito's son, who, as you said, died of a heroin overdose that had been laced with fentanyl in his childhood bedroom. They, they found him there. So um, it's the story of, of their whole family. Because I have chills again, Florencia, just thinking of the visuals in the film from that. Oh, well, I, I think that's a good thing, unfortunately, um, because, uh, you know, it is the reality for so many people. Um, you know, I just posted about this. And for the first time I wrote, we wrote a story about the fentanyl epidemic as opposed to the opioid epidemic, because now we thought the opioid epidemic was bad and it is, but there was an article in the wall street journal, uh, earlier this week and in the times yesterday, the fact fentanyl now being part of the equation has blown this whole problem to another level. Um, it's so much more dangerous than heroin. It's being mixed with methamphetamines. It's uh, with cocaine. Um, and unfortunately, our film is more um, urgent today than it was when Danny died in 2014. It's crazy. Well, I, I will share that a fan, Mary Beth, reached out to me to share that she lost her 33-year-old daughter, I believe it was a daughter, in February to addiction that started with a knee injury and thanks to the pharma industry, quickly led to heroin. And she was looking forward to watching our interview, but maybe not today, but she said when she's ready, but really was appreciative that we were having the conversation. I am so sorry for her loss. Thank you for sharing that with me. Um, and I would encourage anyone to move at their own pace with the movie, with seeing the movie. Uh, it is, um, it is uh, um, impactful, I, I think, and I know. 
um, because the story itself is um, devastating. You know, there's there's just few things, if anything, worse than losing your child. Um, but losing any member of your family, a friend, a, and really there's very few people these days who haven't lost someone to this. Hmm. So our mission with this film was to create the space to have conversations around it, to acknowledge, you know, this is very, very real and needs to be addressed without shame. You know, there's so much stigma around addiction and um, uh, drug use. And this is, this is a public health issue. Addiction is an illness. And as you meant, you know, as you referred to, the big pharma was a huge part. We were lied to. Mm -hmm. uh, in my mind, it is the crime of the 21st century that what big pharma perpetrated on us. And it was about corporate greed. And it was it got so many people addicted to um, opioids when they should never have been prescribed in the first place for pain. Um, it's crazy. Is there something, you know, you learned from Linda that has stuck with you? There's many things. There's many, many things. Um, I, I always say this in, in response to that question, and it is my the biggest thing I learned, which is the opposite of addiction is community is uh, connection. Um, uh, addiction and shame breed in isolation, which unfortunately was um, what we just went through with this pandemic. So a lot of people were left without a safety net. Um, you know, it's hard enough when your brain changes after you become addicted to opioids, which are an incredible incredibly, incredibly strong drug that, that changes your chemistry. And, and it's pretty much beyond your control, your body's need for that substance, which is why there's all sorts of medical treatments now, which um, uh, are, are being given to people. Uh, 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 I'm going to mispronounce their names, but um, they're, they're, they're basically in the medical treatment um uh, facilities. I, I, my personal opinion, though I'm no scientist, is that they they need to be readily available in more facilities because mm. they seem to really be helping people. Drugs that that wean people off of 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 the opioids, um, naloxone, um, and and something else that starts with a B. And I, I'm really sorry that I can't remember the name of it. <laughs> It's okay. You know, it's so important that everyone really sees your film for the impact that this really has on everybody. Um, did you watch Dope Sick? I sure did. And I would recommend everybody watch yeah. that. It's, it's for a different, right. It's correct. Like your film is really the impact on the family, but seeing what Big Pharma did to, you know, young children, old people, every age in between, really um, tragic. 
Yes. And, you know, so I've talked to people about a dope sick who haven't seen it and they say, well, you know, the doctors knew, the doctors knew. Well, Michael Keaton plays a doctor who, <laughs> yes, he, he had some doubts, but it was so uh, relentless. The lobbying by big pharma. No, no, we've done tests. They faked, they faked. The ads were fake. Everything was fake. Were fake. They were paid. You know, these 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 people who sold um, to doctors were were given incentives to to not tell mm. the truth. And so there were doctors themselves who became addicted. Um, it was a huge huge crime that was perpetrated. Um, and and watching how it happened, everything from the FDA, how they got it through the FDA, like. People need to see dope sick to understand the all, all of the ways that this crime was perpetrated. Yeah, I, I completely agree. I love that you held talkbacks after screenings of the film in an effort to open up and extend the conversation with uh, into the community and with specialists. What did you know? What was that like? I mean, you must have met some incredible people who. Um, were affected by this? Um, it was my favorite part of, of going to see um, the screenings was afterwards the courage that people had in coming forth and sharing um, their personal stories. Um, it's, you know, it's rare to be in a public space where people allow themselves to be vulnerable and to share their pain for the greater good. And, you know, that is my, that's why I, I'm an actor. That's why I'm a writer, because I want to be in those rooms where we feel our common humanity. What we have in common is so much greater than what we don't. Um, and a lot of issues came up, uh, issues that intersected with everything from healthcare in this country, right? And how um, that really needs to be retooled. So medical care is a right and, and not a privilege and not something that, you know, because you're wealthy or, uh, or because you're not wealthy, you, you have access to it or you don't. Mm -hmm. um, we ran into, or we spoke to a lot of people who wanted to know like, well, what can they do when their insurance doesn't pay for rehab when it doesn't when when the drugs that they need are too expensive questions we don't have answers for but uh conversations that these are the questions that need to be asked conversations that are so important yes yes yeah absolutely did working on this project inspire you to want to tackle more stories of this nature Absolutely. I mean, you know, I feel like the world is now in a challenging place and there's so much on the table that needs to be addressed both politically and personally. <laughs> the issues that are coming up um, uh, are connected to human beings that are going through their lives. So as a storyteller, I want to focus on the implications on individuals. What, what is your story and how does telling your story encourage someone else to share their story? 
again, shame stops us so much of the time. Fear. I'm alone in this. No one else has done this horrible thing that I did. No one else has made the bad decisions that I've made. We have all screwed up. That's <laughs> part of the human condition. We make yeah. mistakes and it's okay. You know, forgiveness and compassion and understanding, those are the things we need to encourage in, in ourselves and, and in each other. The ability to listen and be present for someone else's experience. Um, so true. So true. Really true. Cra crazy. Your parents immigrated from Argentina at 19 and 26. What do you think you and your two sisters learned from them? And I love Argentina. <laughs> oh, thank you. Um, so, you know, my parents, I, I, I'm so grateful to them. They, they really are the immigrant, uh, well, they're not the immigrant story. There's so much variation in each immigrant story, but they did come here um, for, for my father's dream to study here and to work here, but also because they wanted um, to be in a country of, of great opportunity. And it's very important to me to, um, to keep this country that, a, a land of great opportunity, a land of freedom a land of equality. And that is a mythology that is in sharp contrast to the reality of many, many people. But I feel very invested in working towards that vision. Um, my parents also bugged us to speak Spanish, speak Spanish, you know, and as a teenager, I felt different. I didn't want to speak Spanish. Uh, I think there was a certain amount of, of, of shame of being different, you know, having different rituals than the people that I lived around. We didn't live around many Latinos. So um, and now I'm so grateful for the experience that I do speak Spanish. And something about speaking... Did, did you learn it then when they encouraged it? I learned it then because um, they That's really, right. they were relentless about it. Um and I'm grateful for that experience of being able to, to understand a different language. You know, the, the, that part of your brain that goes, you know, um, these people, they, they sound different. They, they have a different rhythm. They have a different music. They, and and I, can, I can live in that place and I can live in this place. Um, allows me to um, access and, and I'm so grateful for that. And I encourage, I encourage people to, to lean into that experience of um, opening yourself to different ways of being in the world, whether it's language, whether it's music, whether it's um, travel to, you know, the world is big and it's, it's got so many riches, uh, especially those places that you feel like wow, those people are so different from me. You know, really, we're not that different. Mm -hmm. We all want to live. We all want our children to have uh, uh, healthy lives. Um, 
so connection connection is what my parents um, taught me by coming to this country and connecting me to to Argentina and to a, a whole a whole different world. My parents uh, immigrated from Holland, and sa sadly, I didn't learn la the language. You know, I wish I spoke Dutch today, but uh, you were very smart to do so. <laughs> yeah. But for the, for the same reason, you know, I, I mean, they spoke Dutch, you know, when I was young all the time, but I had no, no desire. Yes. Um, you grew up in New Jersey, correct? You know, I was born in Jersey. I actually grew up outside of Boston. Oh, wow. um, okay. Yeah, I grew up in Newton, Massachusetts. Yeah, yeah. Uh huh. I grew what, up thinking. What was that like? Well, I loved it. Um, I grew up thinking most people were Jewish because there were so many Jews around, um, and I, um, I was shocked when I left Newton and I realized, oh, there's such a thing as anti-Semitism. Like I never even knew that existed. You know, so that gave me sort of a window on like, oh, geez, <laughs> where you come from really does create your reality. Um, uh, the place I grew up had a very strong um, emphasis on education. You know, that's why my parents moved to Newton is because we had a good public school, a really great public school system. And so I sort of took it for granted that school is great and it's free, which is so not the case. Um, so interesting that you mentioned Newton and, and growing up in a Jewish community, because I am Jewish and didn't grow up in a very Jewish community. And my parents were Holocaust survivors. Oh, wow. So wow. I didn't, it took me much later in life to fully grasp what they had gone through and you know, as you, you were talking about our experiences and sharing them, I have, you know, now that I have this show through this platform, I've taken to doing shows about the rise of anti-Semitism because my parents are no longer here. And without the people who saved their lives, you and I would not be having this conversation, you know? So it's, Absolutely. you know, I, I realize the impact of that story and me sharing it to hopefully encourage others that God forbid we, you know, we're in scary times, you know, look at what's happening in the Ukraine, people, you know, fleeing their country and needing a, a place of refuge. Hopefully there are people opening their doors like the people did for my parents. But, you know, yes. the, what you said is so important about us sharing our stories. Yes. Well, when I was growing up uh, in Newton, um, there was a dirty war going on in my parents' home country. There was a 20,000 people were disappeared. Um, I actually wrote a play about it called Underneath My Bed. Um, but I was hearing my father talk about um, uh, what was, there was fascism in Argentina. There was a, a military dictatorship. Yeah. They take people from the street in Ford Falcons. They would bring them to police, um, police stations that were, you know, a block, a block from where they lived and they would torture them and kill them. So from a very early age, I was aware that like, oh, uh, that's something that 
human beings do to each other. I don't know how that happens, but it happens. And it could happen to you. It could happen to me. Um, and uh, there is no difference, not only between us and the victims, but between us and the oppressors, right? I mean, we all want to say, oh, I would never be that person who would torture. I would never, I, I mean, of course, we, we never think of ourselves that way. But um, fascism is something that creeps up slowly. And it is something that needs to be rooted out and uh, studied um, because it's a very real threat. Sad, you know. It's scary. It's scary. Uh, Justin said, if only Florencia could teach us all Spanish. (laughs) 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 And and I wanted to read uh, what Joe wrote. Joe said, hi, Florencia. I remember you being so nice to me when I was an extra on One Life to Live, and I just saw your movie and loved it. You um, went to uh, Cornell for your bachelor's and master of fine arts from NYU. What do you think those both experiences taught you? I actually transferred from Cornell to Brown. Um, Oh, sorry. No, no, that's okay. Uh, (laughs) I found Cornell to be really stressful. Like I, I just, I couldn't, I couldn't deal with, with the anxiety. So I went to Brown, which was a lot more, they let you do your own thing there, which, which is what I needed. Um, I, I want to recognize my incredible privilege to have had that opportunity. Again, my parents really pushed us to go to good schools. Um, uh, they didn't have a lot of money, but I did, you know, I had the advantage of going to a great public school, um, getting financial aid, having mentors, being in a culture where college was an expectation, Um, so I am really grateful for that. Um, really, really grateful. And, you know, what was nurtured in me was, you know, read everything you possibly can. You know, the world is your oyster when you read books, when Mm -hmm. you get to have conversations about, you know, philosophy. And so, um, you know, that is my wish for, for anyone and everyone is that they, they realize that their own mind is, is, is an entry point to freedom, you know, no matter your circumstances, uh, although I don't mean to um, underestimate what it means to, to have circumstances where you don't have books, right? You don't, you don't even have food, right? Those, those, those things are all true. And yet the life of the mind is one that, you need to personally invest in and make it your business to be curious about the world because then, then, then your mind is, 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 is free. Hmm. Um, Uh, I have to share Maybeth is sitting at a coffee shop at Brown right now. (laughs) And, And Tony says that his mother worked for the Brown bookstore for 27 years. Oh, That's wow. a small world, <laughs> small world. Oh my God. I loved Brown. I loved, I loved, I really loved the, 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 the freedom, the people that were there, the community. Um, 
but even if you don't go to uh, to a, a, you know a school or a, a, a school with that kind of name, uh, there are people around you who can inspire and who with whom you can commune and create work and create what you need in terms of conversation, inspiration, action. Um, so I encourage people to do that. Who inspired you? at Brown or NYU? You know, I actually, uh, so I was unhappy at Cornell and a friend of mine, Jovi Juan, knew someone called Joel De La Fuente, who just happened to be going to Brown. So he's like, let's go and, 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 and check out their um, fall, uh, our fall break. We went there and there were all of these students. Maria Stryer, who's a producer in New York, I'm actually gonna be doing a play with her theater company next week. Uh, Maria Stryer, um, Meg McCary, um, uh, uh, Vonnie Kasargian, Kate Hampton. They were all of these amazing actors and teachers. Um, oh, uh, I can't believe I can't remember her name now. Uh, but she actually, she was a teacher at Brown who actually published a book of monologues that... Um, uh, a bunch of us had written uh, monologues oh, wow. for women by women. And that was amazing as a college student to get to see my work published. Like uh, I am so grateful to her. Um, when did you start writing? I wrote as a kid, I, I wrote short stories, um, fiction when I was a girl. Um, and that was always such a, um, form of escape for me and entry, like the things that I felt like I couldn't say in life, the ideas I felt like I couldn't explore because they were too dangerous or they would mean I was a bad person or they were somehow dirty uh, or, you know, too sexual or too, I would, I would write them down and I would feel such great relief and release and joy to get to create my own world in which I could ask questions I was curious about. Um, I could visit places that I found um, um, calmed me. I, I was very anxious as a girl. I, I had a panic disorder. And so writing and um, acting were kind of saved my life. Um, Tori Herring Smith. Tori Herring Smith. Oh my god! Oh my god! I'm so glad. St Stephen shared that. Stephen shared that. He Tori must have looked. Smith. Tori Herring Smith. I'm so glad I to get a chance to thank her. That she was huge. She. I love that. She, she had a play called The Production of New Plays, and we had to write a play. It was the first play I ever wrote. I was. Wow terrified. I mean, I actually, when I wrote that play, I was like, people are going to discover that I'm a horrible person that like, I'm going to get kicked out of class. Like there was so much shame. There was so much self-hatred that came up. And when this guy in my class, um, Jason Neweth, I believe that was his name. He chose my play to direct. I was like, oh my God. I, I hid under a table during the production of the play. I literally hid under a table and I heard the audience laughing. And I will never forget the feeling of like, 
something that I had been so ashamed of other people related to, and it brought them joy and to take what I went through and bring it out into the light and have it be transformed into comedy. I was hooked. I was like, Oh, this is what I'm going to do. If this that, is that validation is so important for somebody who is, you know, exploring the arts and, you know, being vulnerable and to get that. Yes. It's powerful. Yes. Yes. It was basically a story about having lost my virginity and having been so drunk that I missed the whole thing and, and being afraid that I was pregnant. It, there was so much shame tied up in it. And so many people related, you well, know, I'm, I'm sure, <laughs> <laughs> you know, you were in college you yeah. know, that, that's, you know, you're sharing that while you're in college. I'm sure many people. Yeah. Know. And suddenly I wasn't alone. Suddenly I was seen and I was appreciated and I was embraced and people were laughing. And that was a game changer for me. So, and that was Tori Herring Smith's class. So if it hadn't been for her, I don't know that I would have ever realized, oh, I can write plays. Amazing. Yeah. Uh, I love that. We're going to, we're going to dive into one life to live, but I want to read what Eric wrote. He says, I loved Florencia so much when I wrote my podcast, Soap Lust for Life. I named a character after her, La Condessa Florencia Longoria di Genova, a Countess of Mallorca, Spain. <laughs> that, wow. is a, that is a fabulous name. <laughs> Really? <laughs> that is a fabulous name. Yeah. What do you remember about your audition and screen test for Taya? So I'll tell you this right right off. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The bat. I didn't get it the first time I auditioned. I did not get it. So there was a casting director, Sonia Nicor, who worked for ABC. And it's funny talking to you. It's like there were so many people along the way. There were so many people who picked me up, who whispered in my ear, who pushed me, who just like, Tori, like you will write a play. You know, I did not want to. Um, Sonia, uh, after. I hope people watching are listening to that because we all have the power to do that for somebody. We all have the power, no matter our level of education, no matter our circumstances, we have the power to listen to someone else and say, hey, 
what you just said, that was really beautiful. That was really important. Sing that, write that down. That matters. I see you. I care. Uh, we're going to go to a museum. You know, I want to hear your story. Like kids, especially, they need that. They need that to grow. It's like a little seed in the dirt. They need water. They need sun. They need love so that they can blossom. People yeah. need to know that they matter and that what they have to offer is valuable. Mm -hmm. um, so you didn't get it the first time, but did, did somebody else get it or they just... They, I didn't get it. Um, I, I didn't know what I was doing. I was coming out of theater school. I didn't know how to put on hair, put on makeup, do my hair. I didn't know what to wear. I didn't know how to test for a camera. So Sonia and Nicole said, we're going to try this again. I want you to come in with your outfits. She took me under her wing. She knew I, I could act, but she needed to, she needed to get me to the place where uh, I could be ready for the screen test. So my agent um, took me to a makeup place and I bought makeup, you know, all of those things that now they seem like, oh yeah, but I didn't know any of that. I didn't know any of it. Um, I feel this, like today there wouldn't be that level of effort because of how fast the entire industry, and I don't mean daytime, you know, I, that people would, you know, I feel like people would just move on to the next person. I don't know that people would have that you know, compassion and empathy to help you out. I, I hope they do, but I just feel like we we are all just so fast paced that yes. taking the time to do that for you is just amazing. It really, it, it really is. Um, yeah, so I got it, I got it the second time and um, I grew a lot on that. So I learned how to act in front of the camera on that soap opera um it who did you screen test with frank valentini um susan gammy who is a costume designer brilliant brilliant costume designer uh who was the oh my gosh who was the executive producer it was um in 97 yeah it was it wasn't it was a man i think was it a man uh, gary Gary, yeah, what was his last name? Um, one of the fans will tell me. I can't think off the top of my yeah. head. Yeah, I think it was, I think it was Gary. I'm bad. Um, do you remember your, for, you know, that first day walking on set? Gary Tomlin. Gary Tomlin. Gary Tomlin. I believe Gary was there. I remember this. I remember a couple weeks in, um, I th and I think they do this on a lot of soaps. They give you a lot of material to see, can you, can you do this? Because uh, um, there are not, some actors can't. Some mm -hmm. actors cannot memorize that amount. And it's sort of, you know, a test. Um, I felt like I was being tested, you know, um, before they're gonna invest in my character, they're gonna see as an actor, does she have the muscles necessary for this form? And, and it's not to say that you're not a good actor if you can't do soaps. That, that is not the, the case at all. But you do need to have certain muscles um, that are very strong. And, and one of them is memorizing. And the other one is, you know, being able to basically get up to bat and start swinging. Right? That, that's how I always think about it. Um, and they gave me a lot of material. And I was literally wandering around on set behind behind the sets uh, um, 
And I was, I was freaking out. I was, I was like, I don't know how I'm going to get through this day. I was terrified. And um, one of the directors, Bruce, oh my gosh, what was his last name? Someone will remember Bruce, who was such a doll. He had the most beautiful energy. He was always laughing. Um, he found me and he put his arm around me and he looked me in the eye and he's like, you can do this. You can do this. Take it one scene at a time. We will help you. Um, and, and I did, I got through that day and then I got through the next day. And, but again, it's, it's those moments where, where people come to the rescue. Yeah. To I mean that, you know, to take the time to say that. Yes. Yes. And so, the biggest difference. And to have a sense of humor, right. To realize this woman needs to know everything's going to be okay. <laughs> You know, oftentimes that's what we need to tell each other. Even if we don't believe it, is we need to lie and say, hey. Some uh, Bruce Cooperman, is that the name? Cooperman. <laughs> Bruce Cooperman. Bruce Cooperman. Exactly. And, and you were paired out of the gate with Roger, right? I know you worked with both Trevor and Roger. Yes. Yes. I mean, was that intimidating? I mean, did you, did you know one life to live before you got there? I didn't, I didn't, I, you know, um, I had watched general hospital as a kid. I mean, who didn't, mm -hmm. I mean, and then to get to go to general. Uh, yeah. We're going to get there. Cause now I'm more excited. <laughs> that was crazy. That was, that was great. I don't live in Los Angeles. So, you know, Los Angeles is palm trees and sun i'm driving in a car i drive up to you know the set and i was like this is one of those moments in your life where you're like this cannot be happening it's <laughs> insane um but working with roger and trevor was a blast and it was an honor um was i intimidated i was well you, you probably weren't i mean if you didn't know the show I didn't know, yeah. I didn't know the history. Um, and you know what? I'm really glad I, yeah. I didn't like, um, people told me that when I first went on and I, I didn't know how it worked in terms of like, uh, how they're going to pair you with someone, how they, I didn't know when I was being, I guess, paired with, with Roger to see the Todd and Taya stuff. I didn't know that that's what was happening. You know, and I heard that there were a lot of people online who were, you know, loved Cassie DePaiva, as do I. And they were like, oh, she's encroaching on the Blair Todd thing. I had no idea about any of that. So I was focusing. It's on better to be, uh, you know. Oh, yeah. Naive about oh, it. Yeah. 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 Coming between a, a powerful soap couple can be daunting. And I, know, I had no idea. Know. Right. I'm great. I'm grateful for, for that ignorance because that didn't register. It's good. Yeah. It makes it, you know what, you're just doing the work, which yes. makes people, you know, love the story. I mean, that's the whole part of, you know, coming between any couple is to drive story. So, you know, if, if they're reacting, then you're doing your job. Yes. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. It's fantastic. And working with my pal, Cassie, what was, you know? I adore Cassie DePaiva so much. 
Um, yes, when you showed that, I was like, oh my God, that brought me back. Because <laughs> that was, I think she threw me out. No, no. I think I tossed her out a window that time because she had thrown me out a window, I believe. Yes, she threw me out a window when I like first got there. And then I got to throw her out a window. Um, and, you know, she hope no one's listening to us. <laughs> you know, I threw her out the window. She threw me out the window. <laughs> it's a soap, you know. Um, we get to yeah. do these things. Where else do you get to do these things? It was... God, that was so fun. And, and a lot, you know, it was it, the, the stunt double actually went out this window that crashed and there were all these pads and, and then like, just as an actor kind of imagining what that would be uh, to, uh, to, so we had a fight of course. And then, she, and I pushed her and then she fell off this window and uh, imagining the terror of seeing that was, um, that's when it was really fun to, to that that was really fun to get to play that high drama you know that melodrama um that sometimes is spoken of disparagingly you know but mm -hmm. actually is you know that's the stuff of greek tragedy and it's the stuff that off that happens in life sometimes emotions are that big sometimes you know god forbid the tragic things happen someone runs over your beloved you know you find out that your your husband cheated on you and the the emotions that you experience in that moment cannot be predicted you know your body goes into a state of life or death uh uh life or death that is really fun to get to play as an actor um but getting back to Cassie, um, you know, Cassie, Cassie is so easy. She's so, she's so lighthearted. She's so fun. She's so kind um, that our energies really worked well together. Um, she just had my back. And I like to think I, I had hers. Um, she's a lot to fun. To, she's a lot of fun to hang out with. And um, she made me feel like everything is going to be fine, honey. Everything is going to be okay. And I needed that. I love that. Love yeah. that. You, you said earlier, you learned so much. Can you articulate, you know, what you learned working on that set? I can tell you very specifically, especially now that I'm not on it anymore. And I, um, I, you know, I audition a lot. I, I do, um, episodic stuff. I've, I, I'm doing film now. The thing about a soap is it's so hard. I don't think people realize, um, we do a show. One of the hardest things. I mean, we do a show a day. So, you know, we did like 60 pages a day, 70 pages a day <laughs> and you know let's talk about the hair and makeup people what they have to do you know on a day where we're shooting a a gala right where everybody has these incredible outfits and this amazing makeup and these hairdos that i mean that's why a lot of people tune in is is to see the beauty of this 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 you know this uh parallel reality um 
so Wayne Bellotti, who's one of my dear friends who does uh, hair, he lived for those days where he would have 12 women in his chair and he would create these, these hair oh. sculptures. Yeah. You know, and he was he was working hard for hours and hours and hours. And we we fed off that energy of like, we're going in today and we're not going to stop. It's going to be a really long day. And um, now on films, when people are like, oh, my God, you know, we have six pages today. And we have to do this. It's like, guys, <laughs> we, we got this. Don't you know, everybody relax. We're going to figure out how to do it because we have to. But it's interesting, though, because not everyone has your experience. So if that, you know, if somebody gets their first part as a film, yeah, they think six pages is probably a lot. Yes. They, you know, and that's what's so tragic about the demise of soaps, especially in New York City. What the actors who, you know, live in this East Coast area, you miss know. out on the opportunity to have that learn, yes. you know, that learning, you know, possibility of a, of a daytime show in New York. It is boot camp. There is no better training for me. I mean, that, that, that's, that was my experience. Because when you do something that hard, anything else, it, 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 it doesn't feel as daunting. Had you any uh, inclination when you walked in to Landview, how difficult, you know, it would be? Um, I mean, I knew that it would be a lot of material, but um, I, I, I didn't realize exactly <laughs> what it meant every day after day after day after day. That Put it in today, let it out tonight to get the next. <laughs> I mean, I applaud you, all of you, because it's something that, uh, yeah. you know, I wish it was a great, you know, soap dish was a movie, but I wish it was a great yeah. documentary that really oh. followed and, and showed the intensity of what, because it, it really is like you described, there is nothing like it. Yeah. There yeah. is. What but, What are some of your favorite memories? Well, well, I, I'll tell you real fast. Another thing I did learn, which I had to learn the hard way, and is something I didn't know going in. I had to learn how to let go of my ego, because um, as an as you know, coming from theater training school, right? I got to rehearse something mm -hmm. for weeks, 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 four weeks. I got to rehearse a play. So with soaps, there are many times where you're like, oh, my God, no, no, no. We need to do that scene again. I forgot that whole speech or I and it's time to move on. And the first couple months, I was literally like I would come downstairs and I would be like shell shocked. I would be like, I can't believe that's going out on TV, that people are going to watch that, you know, because it wasn't what I wanted to to do. It, it wasn't what I, the scene wasn't want, what I wanted to have done. I wanted four more chances at it. <laughs> I, I wanted, you know, but there's no time for that. Yeah. So it lets you go. All right, I'm going to give it away. I'm going to give it away. Let just, just let it go. Do the best you can 
and then accept the fact that, you know, yes, there, there are times where you'll look up at the TV and think, oh my God. You well, know. that must have, you know, taught you really, I, like you said, it definitely taught you to let go, but it must have taught you to trust yourself too. Yes. That's what I was talking about getting up to bat. It gave me the very strong muscles of like, all right, here are the things I need going into this scene to absolutely know. And I'm going to trust myself. And that's where the other actors come into play, because that is something you don't get on, on in other mediums. You get to play with these people over months and years and build up an intimacy uh, um a relationship with the actor slash character. So you can start to really have fun and really improv and just trust that like, I know the lines, you know, the lines, we know what happens in the scene. So let's make this about what's going on between us. You know? Um, yeah. That, I love it. Love it. Favorite memories or anything that stands out. So, um, the week we went live. <laughs> Sweat stains. <laughs> the week we went live. It was so beautiful, though, because we were all grumbling around. We were all stressing out. But that week, we came together. It was like we were a repertory theater company. Like, noises off. Like, hang <laughs> on for dear life. <laughs> And everybody's, um, it, we were, we were like, you know, soldiers in a platoon, like we needed to be there for each other and pass the ball. And, and we watched each other. And the more, you know, we watched each other um, step up to the diving board and jump off. And that gave the next person the courage to do the same thing. I love the description of that. That's great. And like real, it's like the relay race, hand off yes, the baton. Yes. And Bob Woods, God bless him. He, I, I remember him because we were all on, on the stage um, together and, and the camera would go from, from set to set, right? Uh, from scene to scene. Um, and I remember him when we find, when we finished the last, um, when, uh, when we, when, uh, my set finished. Um, I, I came out and, uh, and I was like, Oh God, I was so relieved. And Bob Woods was there and he gave me a big thumbs up, you know? And I was just like, I felt like I was on a team, you know what I mean? Like I, and I came in the dugout and they, and they gave me high fives. Like they were watching, they had my back, they were rooting for me and we were doing this together. Um, I'll never forget that image of him. That's awesome. He's a good guy. He's a good guy. He's a great guy. I, I must ask, did you get to work with Jerry Verdorn? I did. I did get to work with Jerry. Um, what, anything you remember about Jerry? The grace. He was such a, he was such, he had so much, uh, grace uh, elegance, uh, dignity. Um, uh, he had a light touch and I always felt, um, grounded, uh, when I was near him in the makeup room, when we passed in the hall, 
when we were on set together, I was like, this is a classy human being. Amen. 150%. He's a class act. Yep. From, yep. Head to toe. 100%. So when, how did you uh, learn that they wanted Taya to come over to General Hospital and being a fan, what was that reaction? <laughs> I, I still, I, I still can't believe that happened. <laughs> oh my gosh. Uh, Frank, Frank Valentini who's doing such an amazing job over there. He, I mean, he works his butt off. He works so hard. And he does it looking so damn good. <laughs> I mean, he's always dressed to the nine. I don't know how that man does it. Um, he loves soap operas so much. He loves the, the medium. He loves the actors. Um, he, he's, he's a true uh, leader. Um, and I and I was so grateful for his invitation to come to um, to General Hospital, and uh, my God, I was beyond excited to work with the actors I had watched. Like that blew my mind. Who was the first one you had the opportunity to work with? Uh, Robin Matson. Oh wow! Yeah, yeah. That was a trip um, <laughs> because she kidnapped my child. <laughs> <laughs> of course, of course. <laughs> but I loved her as a kid. I mean, I just was so into her. And um, to get to do scenes with her was, was really surreal. Was, was she real. the first person you met? At GH, or like, did you walk in the studio and see Jackie Zeman or Kim Schrein? You know, like, do you remember walking I, in the building for the well, first time? I remember walking in the building for the first time. Um, and it's out on this lot, right? It kind of in the middle of nowhere. And again, it's like the sun is shining. I felt like I was in this weird, like, heavenly <laughs> palace. I was like, wow, general freaking hospital. Um, I had met, um, uh, and I'm really bad with names here, so remind me, uh, well, uh, Kim, what was Kim? Kim Schreiner, who plays... Um, oh, Kim Schreiner, who plays... Um, Scotty. Right, Scotty, Scotty. I, 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 No, I hadn't met him. I thought you were talking about the woman who was the amazing actress on uh, another New York soap, um, uh, not... Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Um, a, another. No. As the world turns. Who is. Mara West. No, 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 no. I'm sorry. Guiding light. Cynthia Watros. No. Kim. Laura, Laura Wright. Who plays Cat Carly on the show. Not Car. No, not. Um. Was Kim Zimmer on the show? Kim Zimmer. Kim. Oh, she was on General Hospital at that time. No, Kim Zimmer was on one, came on One Life to Live. 
Yes, as Echo. Kim Zimmer came on One Life to Live, and man, she was so <laughs> much fun. I mean, she's one of those women who I just love to be around because she. Oh, she's the life of the party. She sets the tone. You know, she makes me relax because she's she's a broad. You know, yeah, she, yes, she she's is. Just, she's unapologetic. She's like you. I grew up on Kim Zimmer, so and then got to, you know was a fan, and then got to be friends and got to work on the show. So she she's Mama Zim. She is something. She is just. And then let's talk about Linda Dano. <laughs> I mean, these women who I got to share space with really were um, model role models for me because they were, you know, they were doing this a little before I was. And it wasn't easy to be as multifaceted as their characters were, as unapologetically flawed as... Um, I mean, and let's also talk about the fact that beauty is such a big part of the daytime world. And so they were constantly under the scrutiny of like, what does their body look like? What does their face look like? There's, there's, there's a lot that goes into looking the way we did on a soap opera. And there are so many people involved in that. And they negotiated all of that with, with humor with acceptance, with, with flair, with an embrace, uh, embracing the diva status without arrogance. Sure. Really sure. Um, and I loved being around that. I learned a lot from that. Um, I bet. I mean, yeah, I think there's no way you can't. Right. Yes. And no uh, I mean, Let's talk about Erica Slezak too, like a goddess. <laughs> she <Wow>. is. <laughs> I I agree. And a, like you said, a class act. You know, before I let you go, is there something you wish someone had told you before you ventured into this crazy business? Love yourself unconditionally um, through the good times and the bad, through the mistakes, through the rejections, through the self-hatred, through the self-doubt, through um, all of it. Um, love yourself in a, in, a, in a deep, connected way and in a way that has nothing to do with your looks, your intellect your abilities, but the fact that you are here on this planet means you are loved and your job is to love yourself. Amen to that. Damon Jacob says, I love you, Flo. Oh, I <laughs> adore that. Tell Damon, okay? <laughs> Damon, I, listen, in another world, you and I are married. Okay. <laughs> I think you like kind of the opposite things. <laughs> I know. I'm just a parallel. Parallel universe. Parallel. In a soap opera. Exactly. <laughs> it is such a delight to meet you and talk to you. 
Likewise, Alan. Thank you. Continued success. And really, everybody, please uh, go see Life After You. Like I said, it's available on numerous digital platforms, Amazon, Apple, iTunes. Do a search. You'll find it. We all must do our part to uh, end this craziness. Yes. I, I feel bad I didn't mention the glorious Robin Strasser. <laughs> Smith. There are so many incredible so women, actresses, humans. Um, thank you for having me. Right. The New York soaps had kick-ass women on every one of them who had talent out yeah. the door. Yeah. Yeah. Have a wonderful weekend. You too, Alan. Thank you so much. You're so welcome. Bye-bye. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in. Thank you, Florencia Lozano, for joining me today. Don't miss next Wednesday's show when All My Children's Taylor Miller joins me live right here. I hope you all have a great weekend. Everybody, please stay safe, and I'll see you next Wednesday. Bye, everybody.